Hola, this is Lorena Junco Margain, and I'm so excited for this journey. We decided to launch this podcast to share my story with the hope that you could connect the dots of your life and truly be on your way. Today on On My Way, we have part two of our interview with the incredibly strong Isabella and Ella. We are going to hear about the organization that is helping this sweet family prepare for the future. And we are going to hear the meaning behind the roses and the thorns. Now to today's episode. Mis amigos, hola, mis amigos. We're here with the wonderful Ella and Isabella, her mom. It has been such a deep, thought-provoking conversation. And, you know, we all have our stories to share. And I'm very grateful for them for opening up their hearts and being able to be vulnerable. Everyone out there listening, please take this with an open heart and open ears because there's hidden messages that we all need to apply. So let's continue with our conversation. I am wondering, when you had to flee your country, you were only 16 and it was a very violent scene. There were gunshots. Uh, Nicolás, your do-it-all guy, was shot and you had to experience that and there were only women in your house at that moment. And then you flew in the middle of the night. Did you fly with um, cash or clothes? Like, what, what were those immediate things you had to pack and go to an unknown world? What are the basics? My little sister was three. And it was m my mom and I. And uh, so my mom had gotten a hold of um, my little sister's godfather, who's a pilot. Somehow he made it to the city we were living in, Leon. And he was going to fly us to Managua, to the consulate, uh, for safety. The sun had just come up. We'd arranged for someone to take Nicolas to the hospital so he wouldn't uh, lose more blood. And uh, my mother said, you have five minutes, and you can only take what you can put in a bag over your shoulder. No suitcase, nothing. It has to be... Like a bag. That was, you know, uh, that was in the 70s where women used the hobo bags. Oh, yes. Uh, I was in obedient mode. Even though I was a teenager, I wasn't questioning. I went, I remember, I've always written. So I got my book of poetry and essays, put it in the bag, got my two photo albums, and I got my piggy bank. The piggy bank is where I would put allowance, which was always given to us in dollars, and where I had my money from a business I had started three years before. They Molotov the banks that night that the war started. Yeah. And my mother owned a department store and the Molotov the store. So they couldn't get money out of the banks. There was nothing. So we started with what was in that piggy bank. With your piggy bank? With my piggy bank. That is what got us here. The embassy, uh, the Swiss embassy got us to the U.S., okay? But once, because my father worked in the U.S. a few months out of the year, he was a crop duster, but he owned a few airplanes, too. Okay. So he had other crop dusters work for him. And he worked in Texas a few months every year. So the embassy got us to Texas, and we all had had our residency for the U.S. 
since we were little bitty because we came here on vacation every year. But that's what allowed the apartment to buy a vehicle for the family and all that, that those savings. That's amazing. And and have you still continued being that? What what did you sell or what? I mean, to buy a vehicle with, in a piggy bank? <laughs> it just sounds like a lot of money in that piggy bank. <laughs> okay. All right. No judging, okay? No judging. Okay. So remember that the laws are different in yes. other countries. In the country we were living, there was no minimum drinking age. Okay. What country to give context to the conversation? Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Okay. So I've never done drugs. Drinking was not an issue with me even then, but never was. Okay. I'm starting to laugh because I can see where <laughs> this is coming. <laughs> okay. Okay. So my family lived in a neighborhood outside of the city. As Latin families tend to be in Latin America, after you have dinner, you go visit your neighbors. Everybody has, this was the 70s. You have drinks, you you smoke, because smoking was a relaxing thing. It wasn't a scary thing or, uh, so, and what I noticed when the gatherings were at my house or even at my friend's house who lived in that neighborhood, that neighborhood did not allow stores, anything. It was up on the hills. And if they would run out of whiskey or rum or cigarettes, the, by then the housekeepers were asleep for the night and so on. So the men would go, no, you go, it's your turn. No, I went and bought last week. And so there would always be this fight about who was going to go into town to go get the stuff. So I decided to open a business <laughs> where I would sell and deliver alcohol and cigarettes in the neighborhood. And you were what, 14? 13. 13. I, love <laughs> I was Ella's Why? age. I was you know, around. Ella, this is the thing. <laughs> we live through those stories. And Mexican, I mean, Latin American, we're not drug addicts. Nope. It's so crazy. Like there's drug galore, but it's just like a pathway up to the United States. Yeah. It's not a thing. It's it's pretty amazing yeah. that we deal with, with that. Right? We do. And it's just an everyday thing. I've never done drugs, and that's mm -hmm. the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, but I've seen him and been around him. And growing up in the 70s, it was hard not to see it yes. in other places. The U.S. is so, it's such an organized civilization, if I can put it in those words. Like, there you're like loose and free, and it's kind of fun, to be honest. Yeah. But then again, you see the repercussions of the systems, right? Yes. But anyway, so you were 13 mm -hmm. <laughs> and your business was <laughs> tobacco, and tobacco and alcohol. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the big money came from. Yes. Um, and because it was a neighborhood where people could afford it, totally. I put quite a bit of a markup and I would deliver on my bicycle. So oh my gosh. Uh, delivery was from 6 to 9 p.m. And if you, my bedtime was 9.30. So, and if it was after 9 p.m., then you had to pay double the price. <laughs> At the corner store, they would just sell the alcohol or? Well, the, I would go to the people that would sell it uh, in the warehouses. Oh. Yeah, I didn't buy retail. You had your system. Yes. So the first time my mother said, I'm going to lend you $200 which in the 70s was allowed to buy. Mm -hmm. And I bought a case of white rum, a case of golden rum, and a case of whiskey, and two cartons of cigarettes. Women usually smoke Belmont. Men smoke Windsor. <laughs> and she said, and you got 90 days to pay me back. 
and my mom was serious. She was a business woman. And I was able to pay her back way before the 90 days. And to get replenished, I would, the neighborhood was large. Nicholas would drive me there and Nicholas would buy it. I would give him the money and he would mm-hmm. buy the stuff. That's put a it in common the trunk of the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. We find our ways, right? Exactly. So then you use that money, settled. Did your parents speak English? You didn't have a problem with them getting settled in the United States? My father, being Swiss, he spoke oh, he spoke right. six languages. Wow. Plus he worked in the U.S. a few months out of the year. Um, he would work three months in Nicaragua, three months in the U.S., two months somewhere else, and then they would take three or four months vacation. I mean, not vacation, travel. Correct. Uh, every year. That's fascinating. My mother did not speak any other language but Spanish. He just began to fly here, but but he never got over losing everything. I will say this. Till the day he died, and he ended up going back to Nicaragua. He did? Yeah, but we were never able to, to get back the house, houses, anything we owned. We were not able. We were all foreigners, so... What about your extended family? My extended... My family, to get started, is very tiny. Okay. Which is what scares me with my illness Mm -hmm. and having a young daughter. is because my family is tiny, tiny. And I'm going to be 60 in March. So a lot of my relatives have passed. Do you have a sister or a brother? I have a brother, uh, no children, and he's single. Okay. So it would be very difficult anyway. Yeah. And then I do have a sister and my sister, she's my half sister and she lives her own life. So um, you're not that close to her. No, we know. I haven't been. Uh, we, I tried. I'm, I'm a lot older than her. I'm 13 and a half years older than her. And I try. Uh, I've tried to stay close, but I think I'm okay now that she wants to live her life and I need to let her be who she wants to be. And I congratulate you, and maybe she'll be a blessing in disguise in the future. I hope you're right. That would be wonderful if that happened. Uh, last time I saw my sisters, my mother lived with me, and my mother passed away a year, a little over a year ago, in October. It'll be two years, yes. Were you close to your grandmother, Ella? Very close. I was very close with her. We would Every Monday, she would come and pick me up from school, and we'd spend the whole afternoon together. We'd usually get fried chicken and then go watch telenovelas. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I would go do my homework after school days, and then I would go and watch the Spanish soap operas with her, and sometimes we would go shopping. We would spend a lot of time together. That's great. How did you call your grandma? Abuelita. Abuelita, mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Was your abuelita taking care of your mama when she wasn't feeling well? She was. Were you open with your mother that you were not feeling well? No. (laughs) Well, I think Abuelita, I think she noticed, though. A lot of the times when mom wasn't feeling well, even if she wouldn't go outright and she'd be like, hey, Ella, go do this for your mom. Or tell your mom that I said this. It was... She would would communicate through you. She would. (laughs) Why didn't you tell her? My mother and I were not very close growing up. I was in boarding schools. Which I think is great. I wish I had the guts to send you to boarding school, but I'm a, I'm afraid I'll miss you too much. <laughs> but I started being in boarding school when I was like six and a half, seven. Yeah, that young. Yeah. So, mom and I were not very close. And when I was home, I was with my yaya because usually it was the summer, and that's, that's when my parents travel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you come to the United States. Mm-hmm. Your husband sadly has a stroke. So I imagine he maybe was having a financial hard time. So were you the main 
source for the finances or how did you how did you make life happen? I was the only source the of finances for yes for a few years. Where how do you from where do you start? That's a Well, you know, God, God has great timing. About a month and a half before he had a stroke. I was 26. And I said, you know, before I'd been a flight attendant, um, I'd had cute little jobs, you know. But when I hit 26, I thought, you know what? I need to start thinking about a career. Because the career that I had in mind and all of that when Nicaragua happened, the war truncated all of that. So I need to start thinking about a career. And I started looking for companies that I wanted to work for. And I zeroed in on Prudential. And I got my group one license to become a... You're a go-getter. Yes, I like the work ethic, you know, and I always have plans of what it can, I can visualize forward very easily. So I went to work for Prudential, so I had a stroke soon after that. And then I realized that after about a year and a half, that wasn't enough. I needed to do that. So I needed Did to do something else. Did your parents give you the, so in Latin America, as we know, it's very common for the women not to be working. They're like the caretakers. Their business is their home. So I imagine you also had those barriers or maybe presets. Did you have that or you had let go of all those limitations? I'm going to admit something that I've been really ashamed of since I was a little girl. When I was Ella's age, I had to take sewing in the school I went to. We were never expected the, the wives to work. That's what the gentleman did. My mom had a department store because she fought with my father. Not fight, fight, but, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. because she wanted it. But, you know, a lot of people worked for her and all that. So I never expected in my life that I was going to have to be a breadwinner. And as a matter of fact, I was such a spoiled brat that I remember when I didn't want to do my sewing in sewing class, Mother Superior came up to me. And said, why aren't you doing your sewing? Don't you know that that can help you in the future? And I'm ashamed to say this, but Ella, this is how bad your mom was. And I said, why do I need to learn how to sew? I'm always going to pay somebody to do it for me. Ella, I had never put gasoline in my car till I moved to the United States. Same here. <laughs> We had somebody to do it for us. Can you believe that? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I mean, we're in the same continent, but it's just two worlds. Very Totally different. different work ethic, cultures, and it doesn't mean one is better than the other. It's just different. Yes. But you know what the nun said to me? The nun said to me, when I said that to her, she said, you know, sweetheart, remember two things. One is, don't burn bridges. The world's a thimble. And he says, number two, the world's run for a reason. It keeps turning and you never know. You never know. Never know what's going to come. So don't throw away any opportunity to learn something new. And she was right. I've darned socks now. I can do a hem. And it's empowering. It is. I can do Simple this. things are empowering. It's so important to have to-do lists. Check, check, check. It just gives you this hormonal self-esteem. So are you very hands-on? Do you help out at the house? What Or what does your life at home, whenever your mama is not feeling well, tell me, what what does your day look like? On days when mom is not feeling well or when her RA is really bad and she can't get out of the bed, I would usually make breakfast, probably just eggs or something. I'm not a very good cook. Oh, okay, thank you. But it, uh, Do you have a father? 
Yes, I do. Um, Are you together or no? No. Okay. Just to put context. Thank you. Yeah. He doesn't live in the house, but we still have visits a lot. But yeah, I would make breakfast and then I'd probably bring mom breakfast in bed. And if she still couldn't get out of bed, then I'd probably just spend most of the day with her in the bed and be answering phone calls for her business. So no way. Secretary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how old were you when this started? Being- um. When I started answering phone calls, I would say like half a year, six months before I turned 13. Mm-hmm. And when I started like making breakfast and kind of taking care of the house, it probably would have been like at 11, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you feel empowered or were you scared? I think a mixture of both. A little bit scared that mom couldn't get out of bed, but also empowered that, whoa, I can cook breakfast. I can vacuum the house. I can answer these phone calls. It was it was cool. It felt a lot more grown up, but also a little bit a little bit nervous that mom couldn't get out of bed or she would she could barely even make it to the bathroom without having to use a cane and lean on me. Yeah. yeah. We couldn't even have the lady who came and cleaned the house because of my autoimmune during the pandemic. We couldn't have anybody in the house. So do you have any anger or regrets living a different life than your friends? having a healthy mom or do you just see it as this is what God gave me and I'm just going to work? I would like to say this is, I would say this is what God gave me. I'll just work with it. But honestly, I don't think that's the case. I felt a little bit of anger towards my friends. I think I told this to mom about a year ago that anytime they just kind of They get annoyed that their mom can't take them out to go somewhere or during the quarantine when they get angry that they've only seen their friends like five times and then in the entire year. I would get a little bit angry because for over a year I had not talked to anyone, like seen anyone in person for way a lot longer than a year. And when mom couldn't even get out of bed, my friends were getting annoyed because they couldn't go water skiing or they couldn't go swimming or they couldn't go to the theme park. And so I kind of... It wasn't very mature, but I was kind of victim, like making myself a victim. Like, well, that's what my life is like, you know, inwardly. And how did you cope with it? What practices, good ones and bad ones? Bad ones would probably be not wanting to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. And some good ones were would be I started a journal for a while. I keep kept on forgetting to keep up with it. But if I guess if I forget to keep up with it, then I don't really need it as much anymore. Do you have like a best friend that you can be vulnerable with or who who is your go-to if it's not your mom I've had a few really close friends in the past a very tight little group sad to say but they both either went to had to go to different schools or were homeschooled moved away um so for a while it's just mom and I and then she signed me up for um a therapy for children who, whose parents or loved ones have incurable diseases and it's it was called wonders and worries I've heard of it. Can you tell me a little bit more about Wonders and Worries? Yeah. It was one-on-one sessions, and they were very hands-on. We would do a lot of activities that, at the time, just kind of looked like games, but they were really helping me cope with it all. What? So, for us listeners, can you tell us what all means and what does Wonders and Worries do? Yes. Um, when I say help me cope with it all, the having to live with my mom not being sick and having to just exist in an environment where I wasn't where I was really worried about my mom all the time and wonders and worries they help children who have 
someone very close to them, usually a parent, to help them deal with their worries about the parent and their fear and all those negative emotions like anger that we were talking about. And they find very hands-on ways. Like I made a jar with questions and fears and mom and I sat together and we answered all of the little slips I oh, made inside. So nice. Mm-hmm. What a nice... Everyone, my friends, I think that's a practice we should all have. Let's do a jar and... What do you just put questions? You just put questions and fears or worries for the future and you write them on little slips and every once in a while you'll open open the jar, find a slip and so answer it. So it's like it. a conversation starter. Exactly. I love it because you think you'll never forget and you do because emotionally you, you just block block it and you're like, are you okay? Yes. Right? You shut down at times. Yeah. You, you, you do shut down. What other practice have you learned that has been helpful? I think also they also helped me deal with myself. Like it wasn't all about that person who is sick. It also helped me deal with my own emotions that didn't have as much to relate to that. One of my favorites was we made a mask. And on the outside of the mask, you would get clippings from newspapers, magazines, photos, stickers. And you would put everything that the world sees when they meet you or what your friends see And on the inside, you put things that are usually secret to yourself, maybe a parent, but things that the world doesn't really know about you. And it can be something that you like to do or it can just be an emotion that you feel a lot and you don't really tell anyone. Kind of what you said with your bottling up your emotions, you wow. would put that on the inside of the mask. That's pretty releasing, right? It really Putting was. Putting a name to it. Mm-hmm, for sure. And um, have you made friends through there? I have, actually. Um, I've made quite a few friends through there. We They had a teen group therapy, and we all went on a Zoom call, and we talked, and we have them regularly. Every how often? I would say maybe... Every other month? Every other month, yeah. And is it a local institution, or it's a nas- it's a local thing? They have an office out in Westlake. Wow. And they have a... Um, on In Westlake is... By Breeding Company, mm-hmm. right behind it. Wow. And the other one is on Burnett Road. I haven't been to that location yet, but uh, What they a have beautiful two. organization. Uh, it's all on donations. Wow. So that uh, finances are So I are imagine you, you need to qualify, and it, this is a very hard question for me to ask, but how do you qualify to, to put your kid in a program like Wonders and Worries? This, she goes to a very small parochial school. And there's a couple of other moms who are dealing with major medical conditions also. One of them was my liver specialist, and she passed away about a year and a half ago. And um, that's how I found out their children. So I called them, and I said, you know, I've been diagnosed with such and such. I have a daughter. She's 11. And I'm concerned that how this is progressing. Yeah. And... Um, About, I'm worried about her because she's always been outgoing, very happy. Now I see her happy and positive, but it's not that effervescence that I used to see. Mm-hmm. And when I ask her how she's doing, she's always fine. And fine is a scary word. I agree. Fine is I'm going through shit. And I don't want to tell you because I don't know that. I don't want to scare you. I don't want to be burdened. I don't want to be many things. But guess what? Are you familiar with the word madrina? I don't believe so. Okay, so Catholics have a concept that when you're baptized or you have the first communion, you assign a godmother. And their responsibility is to look after your spiritual well-being. 
And I want to invite you. Can you pick me as a madrina? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I would love to do that. Okay. Yes, so please, please know so that I am behind you always, okay? And I have a 12-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old daughter that now you can call sisters. So you don't have a small family anymore. Your family grows. Remember, love multiplies, okay? So I've got your back. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. And, and Isabella, please know that we've got her back. A lot of people. And that you're surrounded by love. And that no matter what, we will communicate. Because I believe in that. Okay? Please know that. And I know this is very hard to process. But that specific thing, you can check it off the box. Yes. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Yes. So do you have fear of death, Ella? I would say for a while, especially before that therapy really did, and especially kind of rekindled during the quarantine, especially because I knew that they had to shut down her immune system for the meds she was on. So she would like, she got a cold. It was very scary. But Recently, especially after Wonders and Worries, I would say not really. I kind of learned that mom isn't a ticking time bomb. There isn't like we can prolong her life. It isn't like she's going to die very soon mm -hmm. or anything like that. And it isn't it also isn't like she's cured. But I, I really learned that it isn't like mom could die at any minute like a heart attack can or like falling and getting some head trauma or something it it isn't like that it, we know we know what stage mom is in and we know what level she's at all the time we, there's nothing about her illness so far thank god that thank is god. a surprise yes <laughs> mm -hmm. so they say if you want to make god laugh tell him about your plans <laughs> so i thought i was gonna be picasso can you believe that but i'm actually the proudest mom i have a great marriage and thing that I thought was bad luck, which was a medical malpractice, has been a blessing. And I cannot believe I can even put it in words. But this conversation would have never happened if that hadn't happened. So when you start seeing life with a heart of love instead of fear, you will start connecting the dots and saying, oh, everything has a reason. So us being here together, your mom being vulnerable and open, you being the strong girl you are, you are inspiring. I'm in awe of your strength and resilience. And I could just imagine you cleaning your house and cooking. And that's not normal. And you need to applaud yourself and also admit it's really scary. It's really scary because I know you compare yourselves, yourself to, to your peers. But guess what? Everyone has their own story. Everyone is a victim of something. So instead of being a victim, say, I chose to be born through my mother to learn specific things. And that's what my soul needs. And when your mom said, I wanted another baby, look at you. You are the biggest gift ever. And I think that's beautiful. So please know you have a life full of purpose ahead. And let yourself be vulnerable and cry and cuss and just let it be. You have a bright future ahead of you. You'll see. I want to also know if you could, for my girl, especially my two girls that are your age, they all also have a sick mama. So they, they worry a lot. 
So when I'm in bed, they're always checking in on me. And if we're traveling, they're like, mom, you go on this side. I'm going to be on that side. And I, and I tell them, mom is fine. It's my responsibility to take care of you. Exactly. Do you feel that? <laughs> is that a, 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 a similar situation? I think so. I that's very true. I think for a while and even even still now a little bit I try to take care of mom like I'm your take I'm your caregiver yes. because you're sick I need to take care of you and I think I keep forgetting my role is to be the child and at least until I'm adult and mom's role is to be my mother and I think sometimes I was switching that yes and it's hard it it's is. hard I am um, I can totally relate to your story you know Patty my second one especially Lorde will go silent and just do things And Patty will, mom, do you need a massage? Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you hungry? And I'm like, Patty, let's make a pact. If I'm hungry, I will ask. So let's just be super honest on, I won't be a burden. I will just tell you I need your help. So that two-way communication is vital. So whenever your mom asks you, how are you feeling? Don't be afraid to hurt her feelings, say it. Because it's that time in life when you need to say it. There will be time in lives when you will need to change the role. But right now is a time for you to learn, to question, to be vulnerable. And if you have any questions, not to your mom, but to me, that I can help you with, I'm happy to help you navigate that. And even with my daughters, I think you will become best friends. You're so very too. similar. We are, we really are. Yes. She began to research the conditions and even did a school paper. Oh my gosh, I could tell you everything there is to know about mom's illness. Wow. Have she you felt empowered by knowing yes. more? But you don't feel that responsibility? I don't think so, not as much anymore. Good. Sometimes I still do, but I don't think there's as much of a responsibility as I'm in charge of mom, I'm in mm -hmm. charge of how she feels, how she does. I noticed this is... Almost kind of like a negative, but when you put in this light, it's kind of positive. For a few years, I was like, I was trying as hard as I could not to raise any issues with mom. And nowadays, maybe you could just call it being a teenager, but mom and I are more comfortable with arguing with each other. Yeah. And it's because I think before I was so worried, if anything had to, all of a sudden happened to mom, I was so afraid that the last thing I would have done was make her even more stressed to make that bile come up. Mm -hmm. I was really worried. And now, also kind of negative, we argue a lot more, but it's becoming <laughs> but more it's a comfortable. Healthy, it's a healthy argument. It is. And that's important. You know, on my book, On the Way to Casa Lotus, I talk about if you cut an onion Tears come out, but they don't have any hormones. But when you cry, those same uh, teardrops have hormones. So it's a release. Arguing releases hormones. So we are wired to get angry. We are wired to be sad. So emotions are a, a tool that we need to use wisely. We don't need to suppress it. So if whatever you're feeling, just be friends with it. Instead of being that wildfire, just be content with the anger. You need to release it. it. It doesn't have to be with your mother. You can have your mother in mind and go in the shower and scream and do whatever you need, you know. But it's important for you to have those releases. It's chemically important. So you're a healthy girl. And she does something lovely that uh, I wish I would have done when I was your age. We will bicker. 
And uh, sometimes, depending on what it is, I will pull rank. Sometimes I won't. We're just bicker. She will relax, come down later. And she goes, okay, can we be friends now? <laughs> and then she will give me her hand. So we we can't stay upset with one another. It's really funny. We it, were, it's, we were, and she gets I, upset about it, that she can't stay mad. Yesterday, I was... I didn't want to practice piano. I wanted to go play lacrosse, but mom was like, practice piano now. And I was annoyed, so I looked at her and I said, I'm not happy with you. And then I, I, we were very quiet. I was angrily hammering down on my keys, and we looked at each other, and we began <laughs> laughing really hard. <laughs> it was funny. It was We were laughing, and it was sweet because it's become a lot healthier. When we get mad at each other, we almost immediately get over it and make up. It's totally, sweet. and it's also okay if it takes some time. Mm-hmm. The important thing is you release it. So feel feel safe. And I mean, your mother's wisdom, I have a sense that you can do anything with her and she'll know how to process that. Lorena Junco Margain passionate art collector, devoted wife and mother, is already shaken after fleeing Mexico with her family while pregnant due to concerns for their safety. After arriving in her new home in Austin, Texas, she learns she has a tumor on her adrenal gland. Although not life-threatening, the condition is serious and requires surgery right away. Having long experienced unexplained symptoms of dizziness and lethargy that neither medications nor holistic or Ayurvedic treatments have helped, she embraces the news with tears of relief With a simple surgery, she can regain her strength and joyful spirit. But fate can be mischievous, and to err is human, even for surgeons. Rather than improve after surgery, her condition worsens. On the way to Casa Lotus is the gripping true story of Junka Margain's journey coming to terms with the permanent consequences of a surgeon's devastating mistake. Mindful that even good people make errors and that vengeance such as legal action would not mend her broken body or soul, she chooses instead to embark on a quest for peace and healing, beginning by seeking space in her heart to forgive. You can get your copy of On the Way to Casa Lotus on Amazon or at LorenaJuncoMargain.com. How do you, for example, when I was scared I was going to die, I really practiced kind of setting a path forward for my kids. So I'll invite you to my house and in every wall, there's like family rules, wake up, be amazing, go to bed. And then we have in the girl's bedroom, it's like to my little darlings, be kind to each other and kind of this ethics that I wanted to put on my kids and know that mom was present even if I was not there anymore. I put hidden secrets in little pots, in cabinets. And so did you, have you ever done anything like that? Or you, Ella? Now I found, yesterday I found a little note that Lore, my sister, I found it in my cell phone case and I'm like, she's been, it's been there for a year, mom. I I guess I have a dirty cell phone. I haven't cleaned the case. So we have this love language of we've been practicing that language. So in the case I'm not there, they will still find me in every seed that we planted together, in every swing you know, and this makes me want to cry, but just being present. Mm-hmm. Do you share that? 
Yes. There's one thing that a life-threatening illness does for you is makes time real. Yes. Whereas before time was a concept and it's something that just go on, now I realize time is something that gets subtracted every day. Es una resta. Yeah. It's a subtraction. Yes. Daily one. So I'm very aware of that now. So, for example, she has a... There is a place uh, here in Austin. Can I say the name of the store? Yes. Sugar Boo. Okay. Uh, and it is at the Arboretum. I, I know. I, I, I've heard it there. Like, all, <laughs> all the signs? All the quotes, yeah. I, Same here. I'm like, and this one, and the other one, and the And other the one. little cards, <laughs> and this. And I go to Sugar Boo, and I get a lot of them. I Thank also, you, Sugar Boo, for existing. Yes, Sugar Boo. We're so <laughs> <Yeah>. grateful. <laughs> and it, there is a blanket that she sleeps with that... I don't remember who who wrote it, but it's a long paragraph. And I gave one to each daughter. Reading, there are different blankets, different sayings based on their personality. But for her, that is, it starts with little one because she's young. She, my other daughter is adult. So my other daughter is about the grace I see in her as an adult and so on. But for Ella is, remember that you're this, that, mm-hmm. that. We also little cards that they have and then... Some that are a dollar and you put, you know, the, the rectangle, a lot of those. I write poetry. Oh, wow. So I have poems. I told Ella, when I thought I was going to die in four levels and I'm at this level and doctor said, you're moving fast. So I said, my computer is yours. And under Lola, which is my nickname, under Lola, you'll find all my writings for Do the past. Do you know I'm Lolly? No. Yes. Lola and Lolly. <laughs> really? <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Synchronicity. I know. I love it. <laughs> Me too. So all my writings, and I have poems I've written to both of my girls. I didn't say that to my oldest because she's in Wisconsin, you know, and Ella's right here. Well, in my computer, you'll find essays, poems, all kinds of writings about both of you and about many subjects. With Ella not knowing what my time left was. When before I knew what I know now, my biggest concern with Ella is, my gosh, she's so little. Who's going to teach her? Who's going to teach her about these special moments in life and that? What worries you, for example? Voice it out, because we need to know. There's a saying in Espanol, lo que uno no dice, Dios no lo escucha. If you don't put it... What, what one does not say out loud, God does not mm-hmm. hear. Because we human beings need to hear you to know how to support you. Thank you. Yes. My biggest concern is who's going to be there for her to teach her what kind of partner to choose in life? Who's going to be there to hold her hand when she's choosing what college to go to or her first heartbreak? Because we all get heartbroken. When we fall in love, we're going to get heartbroken, baby girl. And I've been heartbroken by a family member. Doesn't need to be a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to be there for her to do that? Who's going to hold her hand until it's going to be okay? Who's going to teach her the resilience I wanted to teach her day in and day out? Who's going to tell her that there will be moments of loneliness? And to tell the difference between solitude and loneliness? And who's going to tell you that when you really feel that you're at a wall and there's nowhere to go, just to hold on a little tighter because you'll get past through that. Get perspective. Don't let the emotions of the moment, as overwhelming and painful as they're going to be, don't let them get the best of you because they're just emotions and they don't last. 
Yeah. Overwhelming emotions never last very long. It's just, that's what I learned. You don't die from pain. You do not die from emotional pain. You don't. And guess what? Your mom, when you say who will, you will, because you will be alive in many ways. And it's important that you know that, for example, my, my grandmother, who is my love of my life, she pulls tricks on me. She gives me my signs on, like, I told you. Like, I have a very active relationship with her. So it's important that you know that even if the physical is not here, your mom is always with you. And I speak conscientiously, is, not will, is always with you. Physically or not physically, she will always be with you. I might, I might be your next mama. <laughs> and I tell Ella, I said, Ella loves science. It's her favorite subject by far. Science and drawing and painting. She loves to draw and paint. And I tell her, you're going to learn in high school that the second law of thermodynamics is that energy cannot be destroyed. destroyed. It can only be transformed. And yes. we are beings of pure energy. Correct. And that's science. That's how Period. We cannot alter that. <laughs> and once you know you can always count on that, it's like gravity. Gravity is there. That's how love is as well. Wherever your mind goes, energy flows. Ooh. It's very important that you have that in mind. Ella, if our friends out there, parents especially, need to tell their kids who are going through adolescence like you, what do you think as parents were lacking? I think that something that, that would be very important for parents to understand. And a lot of times kids, whether they're really little and they don't know how to phrase it or they're older my age and they don't want to phrase it, it would be no matter what's going on, whether your parents are sick or not, or it's a family member, not your parents, I think it would be that your children aren't always telling you how they're feeling. And I think that there's always like, I found with mom, she has a tendency, like when I'm saying, oh, I'm doing great. She'll be like, oh, she'll keep digging, like, well, what made your day great? What yes. went well? What went wrong? And I think that that really helps and to learn at a young age, at my age, how to express that and have someone keep digging to when you say you're great, but you find out that you're actually not great, whether you knew that or not. I think that's a very good skill to have as an adult. And if parents do that, no matter how much time they have left with their child, I think that's something that will help us all the way until the day we die. On to keep digging. To keep digging for that emotion and those feelings that you're not saying or you don't know how to say. And I assume any adolescent has some things that as parents we need to dig in, right? Mm -hmm. But I assume also healthy boundaries. That, like, do you, do you sometimes go, like, stop asking me? Or, or you're like, no, keep asking me. Internally, what do you feel? I would say boundaries are good. And although sometimes people, and I've noticed I do it too, and people say, like, wait, don't ask me anymore. But internally, though, they're, we're glad to have someone who will keep who, who will care enough and recognize that enough to realize that you do need that kind of help and that we're just not asking for it. Would you like to share about what we do at the table with the roses and thorns? Yeah, yes. To um, help in that? Mm -hmm. the, we'll say thorn of our day and we'll explain it and why I made our day bad. 
I stub my toe. Well, obviously not something as little as that, but that's just an example. And then we'll say a rose of our day, something that made our day good and that helped balance out the roses and the thorns. And we that have helps so many it. things in common. So many things in common. I wore a ring. It was a rose with thorns. To remember the song, every rose has it's, it's thorn. thorn. So it's that duality, right? You have good things, you have bad things, but eventually they come to to level it. Which is the song you like to play on the piano? The rose. Really? <laughs> oh, I, I love it. I love it. And what about addictions? But when you're fearful, do you have like... I know some kids go and do unhealthy things to their bodies. With Wonders and Worries group, do you see some people doing bad stuff to their bodies or going silent? Because just, let's quote, healthy teenagers with healthy parents, we all go through this rebellious stage, right? When you're going through a different one, like your case, when your mother is sick, Do you just skip that stage or do you hide it? How do you deal with that? Well, for, in my case, mm -hmm. I'm more hit it than I did skip it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's the case for everyone, but I know a lot of my friends from Wonders and Worries and some of us have even been bold enough to talk about it, that there is that stage where you're more harmful to yourself than other people or other things are. And I went through that stage too and... It's like with you, what you said about your children kind of being like a wildfire. Yes. you got to balance out what they need. I think a lot of us are wildfires to ourselves and we're damaging ourselves, whether it's guilt or anger or sadness or any of those negative emotions. So in my story and on the book, I write about it on the way to Casa Lotus. I felt guilty about the doctor taking the wrong organ. Right now, I see it's kind of nuts. But it, the guilt element is omnipresent. So it's like, wow. what would I have done differently? And so I went back and like, I remember I saw the doctors into his eyes. I saw his hands, his curriculum, impeccable, best reviews. Like everything was just right. But then shit happens. Mm -hmm. And there's not a better word to put it. And then shit hits the fan and you're and you're like how did I play a role in this and sometimes you just need to come at peace and say I didn't sometimes bad things happen to good people and sometimes good people will do bad things and once I got that concept and not took it personal and I just took it as a teacher of life like I had to be with the exact city, with that doctor, with my family's condition, with my youngest sister going through cancer. I ended up with, da -da -da, you know, like when I see all the trickle down, it is just too perfect. That what I, are the odds? What are the odds? And that's when I started saying, maybe this, I will see this with a, a different perspective and look at it with purpose instead of you know, oh, it's not fair, this happened to me. And I once asked my mother, like, mom, how do you deal with us? One of my sister had cancer, me with my whole story. I just feel guilty. Like, 
many moms are traveling with their daughters and having mother-daughter trips. And I just had my girl graduate to, and they did a mother-daughter trip and I couldn't go because of my health. And that broke my heart. But you know what? Moms took care of her and she was so happy and she just lives a different life, but she's content. And my mom told me, God sent me these kids because he knows I would have never give up on them. And that's how she found purpose. So I invite you to see it that way. God put me in my mom's life because I'm going to serve a purpose. And I will never give up loving, believing, being faithful, surrendering. Just take it all in and you'll connect the dots as life progresses. I think it's important to know that you're not a victim. I promise you everything has its purpose and great things are ahead of you. To my friends listening out there, I'm trying to be as gentle as I can. I'm also reacting to all the questions because this is so close to my heart. Going through illness, the fear of death and having daughters and a son in my case as well. You kind of want to lay out the future for them. That You want to protect them emotionally. You want to protect them financially as well. So Isabella, did you already have anything on plan or what are you doing to be preventive for Ella's future? Because I know someone told me you're a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Trying. I had Ella late in life, age 46. So I began very quickly to realize, you know, I'm going to be past the prime of my years when she still has a lot in her life to college and wedding and all of that. So I started thinking of a business because although having a good job is good and all that, what happens if you take yourself out of the equation? Then there's no income coming in. Mm -hmm. So you need to make the transition from working for money to making money work for you. So I realized once she was about two and a half that I needed to make that transition and make it happen. So I opened up a business at that time uh, what is called, I don't uh, it's a personal care home. A personal care home is people who are with illnesses, they're going to pass away. It's just a matter of time. They're in the latter stages of, uh, of their lives, but it's not an institutional env- environment like a hospice hospital or a nursing home. And you know, the idea had come before when my late husband had had the stroke. He says, please promise me you'll never put me in a nursing home. And I said, as long as I live, you will never be in a nursing home. So when I decided to have a business that would bring in the money instead of me always working for it, uh, as I aged, I opened the personal care home. It was very profitable. It went very well. It was three to one or four to one care, whereas in nursing homes it's 14, 15 people to one caretaker. Massages, because touch is important. Essential oils, their favorite scents. Colors on the walls, painted to the favorite color, music, all of that. But I had to give it up after four years because every time one of them passed away, I was there during the process of prior to death and all that, and it was taking a huge toll on me 
emotionally. From then, I moved on to starting the research on what I, the business that I have now. Because, and once I became diagnosed, it's like, I got to do it now. I cannot wait anymore. And what is it that you do? I opened up a RV park. An RV park that allows people who are in the lower income to be able to live in a place that is not a rundown place, but it is a nice place with picket fencing, with laundry facilities, affordably close to schools where, you know, uh, close to employers, even if they only have one vehicle. The kind of RV park that you want to live in, not you have to live in. Correct. So is that already producing money? Basically, what you're doing is a legacy business that, that Ella will run. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. Are you learning all about the industry? I really am. I've been interacting with customers and clients, answering the phone calls, putting people on the waiting list, doing a lot of the secretary manager jobs. So what I'm, about finances? Are you good with numbers? I would like to say yes. I don't think math is my strong suit, though. <laughs> you know what? what? Saying that is the wisest thing to do. Saying, I don't know, but I need help in that. And so you will be very aware and attuned of your strengths and weaknesses. And you just, there's professionals that can help you with that. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. So you, today she was there. I had a conversation with three officers at a bank at the park. And it was a very long two and a half hour conversation. She was there listening to all of it. Are you leaving a debt free situation for your daughter? Uh, well, yeah, well, talking to the bank, the financing for the expansion, but yes, in um, right now there's no debt. But once I expand, there will be for about a decade, but the company, the business will more, more than handle that debt and then some. It will leave her comfortably in That's the future. That's so good, Ella. Your mom adores you. What do you she think really of does. everything she's doing? I think I'm very proud of her to be so determined because we've definitely come through a lot of roadblocks while making the business really come into something that we can see. I'm very proud of her for being very determined and having like a really great business mind. She knows when there's a good deal and when she's being shortchanged and she'll make it obvious when she's being shortchanged like nah I don't like that. And Are you learning that from her? I am I really <laughs> am and not only in business but that's teaching me to like speak up when I know that something's not right. Um, someone's trying to give me something that that isn't enough or and she's got a very strong personality and she's really using it to make something that she knows will last for me that's beautiful how old are you 13 and are you going into seventh going into eighth into eighth yes, that's I amazing I mean you you're more mature than many high schoolers I know Thank you. you're such a special person congratulations so That has you at peace, right? That yes. Financially, she said. What about emotions, faith? Have, how have you transmitted that? Or how do you practice that? For Ella, I've been living my life and trying to show her day to day a few things. Resilience. You're going to fall on your face. Keep getting back up. Just as long as you keep getting back up. It's just you will be fine. Don't give in to the circumstance. Get past it because you can always get past it. But also in faith. And faith, I'm actually not speaking just religious or religion, um, but I'm speaking the faith in yourself, the faith on people. There's good people out there. 
the faith that um, God is there and he's got a great plan, but you also got to put in your part. You, he's not going to drag you in any direction. You're going to have to find. We we pray a lot and we're now even looking. I mean, and we pray she, and she also likes crystals. We do cleansings. So we there's no reason to say, well, I'm in this religion, so I'm going to. Let's say yes to all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's be all encompassing. Religion should be that if way. it adds value, right? Correct. And I, one of the things that I've been telling Ella is that if the religion that you're looking up to and that you bring into your life brings people together, you're in the right way. If it divides people, you're looking in the wrong direction. And, and also when they away. make you hide secrets, that's a red flag. When they tell you, don't speak about this, say, I don't want that gift. Thank you. Let it fall. You don't want to, you, you're not obliged to receive Anything you don't want to, because there will be times when people want to pass on the like, hey, do you want my beautifully wrapped dead rat inside? And you're like, nope, if it doesn't smell good here, you know, you can really sense, let it fall. It's their problem, not yours. Let me tell you a little analogy on how I, at my 40 years, learned about dealing with my panic attacks. So I went to my therapist, which I wouldn't know what to do without him. He's such a very pragmatic, consistent doctor, uh, always with the same tone of voice. And sometimes I just like want to like make him giggle, but just him being always consistent is like medicine for me with my life being very unstable health-wise. And I asked him, I have fear of For example, my daughter went to her graduation trip and I'm fearful that something will happen to her. And sometimes you're not even thinking logical, like what if a man rapes her or, you know, like you start going to these crazy scenarios and I go to her like, don't don't talk to strangers. Don't let anyone talk to you. Like she's like, mom. You're scaring me. So I went to my counselor and told him, I am becoming this worrier about all the bad stuff in the world versus the love in the world. And he said, you are lacking faith. And that just, he said, there's so many things you can do, but the faith element, if you have faith that God is with you and around you and everywhere you go, everything will be all right. And that's basically my anxiety pill. I just <gasps> surrender and have faith. I love it. Yes. So if that helps, when you're going like, <gasps> remember, God is there. Release. Surrender. He'll take care of it. Doesn't mean that the results are the ones you want. Mm-hmm. It means that whatever happens, you can deal with it. And because I'm faith, that's why I haven't had an anxiety attack on so long, because I'm, I'm concentrated on teaching her the faith. And we're even doing, like, if we see the clock, 11-11. That's my grandmother. We pray together, or we give thanks, or we get in our knees, if it's we're giving thanks. Mm-hmm. And uh, What? You yeah. see, my grandmother shows up. That's what she does. Wow. Love it. Uh-huh. So remember, your mom will always be there. And every time she smells the scent of roses, right, baby? Mm-hmm. On the way to Casa Lotus, the book I wrote, 
The reason I called it on the way is because we're all on our way, right? It's well, it's a on route, and it's a journey, and it, we, it life will unfold. But the lotus flower is very common in Eastern philosophies. They use it as a reference that the lotus flower will only bloom in murky waters, so they need to be muddy and stagnant, and so. Typically, no one likes the mud, but that's the only way that they bloom. And when they bloom and they open up, you cannot find one dust particle at all. So it's a, it's, they use it as spirituality that when you go through the gunk, the hardships, and those moments, a lotus will bloom. But you need to be very gentle with yourself because... As flowers, as you know, they lose petals, and so we need to treat ourselves like a like a flower. Our heart is an open lotus, and we need to be super gentle with it and understand all the hardships that had to happen for that bloom to open. And they say that when people do bad things, their heart chakra or their lotus is closed. So... Clearly, in this room, we have an open heart and an open flower, but we need to treat it with with a gentle approach. So that's another thing. Whenever you see a lotus. Wow. Yes. How and thank lovely. you for being here with us. Thank you. I would love continuing our conversations. I think there's a lot more, much more to go deeper. I would love it, Ella, if we could have my daughters and you in a podcast. That would be the greatest. I think that would be amazing to listen to the kids' perspective. So I invite you to do that. And now that I'm your madrina, <laughs> you cannot say no to that. <laughs> you remember what madrina is? Yes. It's just like mom. Yes. Godmother. That's yes. what it means. I love it. Thank you, my friends, for listening. This has just been a beautiful, I think a couple of beautiful episodes. And thank you, Isabella, for having the courage to be open and sharing all your journey. And Ella, for being that resilient, beautiful girl you are. And please know that we will all be around you. We will be your angels and we will follow you wherever you go. You will never feel alone. Thank you so much and hope to everyone hope to see you and continue in our journey. Thanks for listening to On My Way with Lorena Hunko Magain. We'd like to invite you to send us your thoughts and any questions from this podcast by emailing Lorena at LorenaHuncoMargain.com. You can also reach out to us directly through our website by clicking the link in the show description of this podcast. Special thanks to executive producer Casey Helmick, studio engineer Joseph Olguin, audio and video editor Scott Caro. This podcast is a production of Terra Firma and recorded from the historic Arlen Studios in Austin, Texas. Thank you.